Hey everyone, before we start the episode, I wanted to share some exciting news. We have a YouTube channel now. We started posting our episodes with some cool images and videos, so you should definitely go check it out. You can find us at On Wildlife Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome to On Wildlife. I'm your host, Alex Ray. On this podcast, we bring the wild to you. We take you on a journey into the life of a different animal every week, and I guarantee you you're going to come out of here knowing more about your favorite animal than you did before. This episode is going to feature an animal that is almost as intelligent as humans, and in some ways, they're even more intelligent than us. And to help me talk about them, I have a special guest, Leif Cox. He's worked up close and personal with them, and has a lot of amazing things to say about them and their conservation. So get ready to learn about one of our tree-climbing cousins, orangutans. Orangutans are only found in the forests of Southeast Asia, in Borneo and Sumatra. They're recognizable by their orange fur and extremely long arms, which we're going to talk about later on in the podcast. A male orangutan can grow to be about four and a half feet tall and weigh over 160 pounds. And they're omnivores, just like us. They'll eat fruits and vegetation, but also insects. Unfortunately, orangutans also need our help. There are only about 50,000 of them left in the wild, and their numbers are declining rapidly. But we'll get to all that later on in the episode. Now I want to introduce Leif Cox, the founder of the Orangutan Project. Let's learn about what sparked Leif's love for these amazing animals. I was working with 15 orangutans and discovered not only that they're wonderful beings, but they're self-aware persons. Um, that didn't belong in captivity and certainly didn't don't deserve to be driven to extinction in the most horrible ways that we can imagine. So that started my um, my career, I guess, in trying to save them for the value of their individual personhoods, um, but also to save their species from extinction. And if we can get people to stop thinking that we're above animals just because we have technological advancements, I think it could make them care more about their conservation. Yes, and also to realize, you know, that the fundamental fundamental mistake of saying that some lives matter more than others is, is a root cause to many of the ills that we're experiencing in the world today. And also, you know, that, that same... Um, mindset um, is within the humans like you know we can exploit or not care about the the suffering of people in developing nations um, because you know they don't have mobile phones and and that sort of stuff and, and people can't relate um, so it, it, it's a disease of the mind which is not only um, causes immense suffering in the animal kingdom but in in also amongst human beings itself and of course as we're all interconnected on this finite globe that we're all going to be affected by a lack of humanity to other living beings. As I said earlier, Leaf is also the founder of the Orangutan Project. I wanted to hear about this organization. Our vision is that one day that all orangutans will live in the wild in secure habitat in viable populations. 
So our mission is to save up to eight ecosystems of the right type, shape and size of rainforest that orangutans, elephants, tigers can get through this extinction crisis. And we've got about another 10 years before it's too late. There'll be rainforest left and certainly there'll be orangutans left, but their populations may be unsustainable and the rainforest itself may become unsustainable because you need certain size of rainforest and certain shape and composition of ecosystems for these to survive into the future. They're doing such amazing work because orangutan populations are really struggling right now. But we'll touch more on that later. Now, orangutans are known for their extreme intelligence. Yeah, they're the most intelligent being on the planet next to us. So they're our closest in, in intelligence. And one of the wonderful things, you know, that we discovered with orangutans is they have this very well-developed cerebral cortex, which is basically the computer simulation. And so you often see, for example, chimpanzees and other animals using trial and error to solve a problem. Where the orangutan rarely does that, what it usually do is sit there and thinks about it, run basically computer simulations in its brain, then act once and, and then you know, solve the problem straight away. So the, the, they're very much the, um, the quiet, intelligent, decisive beings that share our planet. It's so amazing that they're able to go through trial and error just like we do. Another defining characteristic that they have is their extremely long arms. Mm-hmm. That's because they are arboreal, which means they live in trees. So they have very large and very strong arms. You know, they're up to seven times stronger than a human being, which they use to move through the rainforest canopy with, with absolute ease. So um, often people really don't experience them unless they see them in, in a zoo. And, and what they're experiencing is an ugly caricature of the magnificence of the wild orangutan. So it's a bit like going to a, a insane asylum or prison and looking at people and saying, well, that's what people are like. Certainly that's how they're like in, in those situations, but it doesn't show you the, few, the majesty of humanity and our capability. Similarly, not until you get to know them and see them in the wild that you can really appreciate how magnificent these, these beautiful beings are. I can't even imagine how cool it would be to see an orangutan up close in its natural habitat. I asked Leif about some of his experiences with them personally. It was, it was wonderful, again, because what you see is, is that magnificence and how evolution has adapted their intelligence and bodies and social systems to survive in this unique, unique environment. And I've had many magical moments in, in the rainforest, which is in some ways like coming home. You know, they, they say nature heals, and one reason could be is that's how we evolved. We evolved to live in this environment. And when we return, it's a bit like, oh, I feel at home now, you know, we, 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 because the, cult, the agricultural and industrial revolutions which have shaped our environment are not long enough ago to have evolutionary significance on us. So we're basically adapted to be hunter-gatherers, but we're trying to survive in an environment that we're not quite suited with yet. It's going to take many, many thousands of years more of evolution for us to get adapted. But more specifically, one of the most beautiful moments I had is I, I released an orangutan. Three years later, I came across her in a rainforest, and she came down briefly to hold my hand and connect in, in the rainforest. And so one is a sea orangutan that was once captive, free and living independent in the wild. But to realize that, you know, even though many years have passed, 
um, friendships between orangutans and humans can can last years, if not decades. Wow, that's like something you'd see in a movie. It's crazy how they'd remember him after years of not seeing him at all. Leaf mentioned that they have all these really amazing adaptations that help them survive in the wild. Let's hear more about that right after the break. The science word that I want to talk to you about today is asexual reproduction. This is when an organism is able to reproduce without the help of another individual. You can see asexual reproduction in bacteria in a process called binary fission, but some animals are able to do this as well. For example, some ants are able to lay unfertilized eggs that still produce new ants, and sponges are able to do this as well in a process called budding, where a piece of them falls off and becomes its own individual. Okay, we're back. Now you're going to hear about some more orangutan adaptations. One of the things they do is, like us, they have like an imposable thumb to manipulate and, and um, take fruit apart um, and to brachiate by move arboreally through the rainforest. Um, but the most um, incredible part of that adaptation is their brain. Now, coincidentally, being intelligent is not necessarily a good adaptation because the brain is very calorie hungry. So if you're very intelligent just to contemplate the universe or, or make great art, but, it, but it's not allowing you to um, increase your survival by finding food and shelter, you could go extinct real quickly. <laughs> so intelligence can be really... So we're all intelligent in a way that makes sense to our survival. Now, orangutans, for example, have a temporal spatial map. So they remember things in time and place far beyond human capacity. And so that's why they, they can have these maps and they can find food and, and know that tree fruits every five years over there. And I know to start moving over there. So actually in that sense, from an orangutan's point of view, we're, we're quite stupid <laughs> because, you know, we don't have the, the level of intelligence that, that they have. The second most important thing is, is that the persons, and one of the great examples of how we've seen this is persons project themselves into the future. They see themselves as a being that lives in the past and the future. A male orangutan produces long call and has these big cheek flanges, which are basically point the low frequency vibration which penetrates the jungle created by this large throat sac. What they're doing is telling other males to get out of my way. I'm going in that direction and tell females to come and see me. So it's about advertising both to males and females where you're going. And what they do, they'll sit in the night nest at evening after the sun has gone down and they'll think of the mind, future me is going to move in this direction. So they'll call in the direction that they will eventually move in the morning. So they project themselves into the future. Um, it's an adaptation to um, survival and reproduction in the world. But being a person and projecting yourself in the future is part of the adaptation, just like us. And, and, and we, we suffer the benefits and the misfortunes of being a self-aware person, just as orangutans do. So in a lot of ways, orangutans are even smarter than us. Thinking in the future is something not a lot of animals can do. I even have a hard time doing that. 
Orangutans are also critically endangered, so I wanted to know what some of their biggest threats are. Their biggest threat is their rainforests are disappearing. There's other threats, um, such as fragmented population and hunting. But by and large, at the moment, they're only secondary issues. The, the, the big problem is they're losing their rainforest. And so if you lose rainforest, you lose food and shelter, and whether the orangutans are killed immediately during the clearing, they eventually have to die because the rainforest, remaining rainforest can only support less and less orangutans. And the vast majority of rainforest is replaced by unsustainable monocultures such as palm oil and pulp paper, which is madness because what we do know as scientists is all monocultures are unsustainable. That's just simply how nature works. A monoculture is when you only plant one crop over a large area of land. It's not good for the soil, and we end up having to use more fertilizer and pesticides on the crops. And so these agricultural systems benefit a few in the short term, but will collapse the environment and collapse the economy into the future. So we're destroying the orangutan, their rainforest, and humanity's future, specifically linked to climate change for no good reason, only the benefiting a few greedy people. So we're only thinking about what benefits us right now instead of what's going to help us in the long term. Which is typical human behavior. You know, we're not able to project ourselves in the far ahead. But we're also those, remember, most people are powerless. Like the indigenous communities, we're working with local communities, they have no say who destroys the forest or, or not. It's a few greedy, rich people. And they suffer from the same flaws of the human species. They only concern about their tribe in the short term, so their company, their relatives, and their family. So they're quite willing to destroy the future. And, of course, there's also this false belief that um, by having a lot of wealth, you can somehow buffer yourselves from the effect of the destruction of the planet. Uh, and to a certain extent, you, 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 you can. Climate change disproportionately affects the poor and underprivileged. However, regardless of that, it's still within everyone's best interest, including the rich, not to destroy the planet, because eventually their standard of living um, and their ability to live meaningful life will be destroyed by their actions. And what are some of the actions being taken right now to help orangutans? The main one is we're working with wonderful Indonesian partners to secure eight ecosystems of the right type, shape and size of rainforest, where we have viable population of orangutans to which will go through the extinction crisis. And we've got 10 years to do this, otherwise there won't be enough rainforest or orangutans left. In the meantime, because the species is, is the slowest reproducing species in the world and, is, and numbers in the population are so critical, it's not only important from a welfare perspective to rescue and save orangutans and reintroduce them into populations. There's a great conservation need for that, to re-establish extinct populations with these rescued orangutans. What we often refer to orangutan as umbrella species. So if, if you save the orangutans and the habitat, enough orangutans, all the gibbons and monkeys and lizards and everything else will go along for the free ride. So you don't have to have a lizard conservation project because usually they, they come along for the free run under orangutans. But however, what we did discover is we had a, two species slipping out from under the umbrella, the elephant population and the tiger population. 
And so we 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 started two Pacific projects, the International Tiger, International Elephant projects, to make sure those species get included under the umbrella. As well as we do a lot of work with supporting indigenous communities and developing agricultural systems under the rainforest canopy to allow the indigenous communities to prosper in, in, in the rainforest habitat. So what we want to do is a holistic plan that supports all living beings and, of course, helps, in this case, Indonesia's future economic um, affluence by having a stable environment and sustainable incomes for communities, but also it's actually the one of the most cost-effective ways to mitigate climate change is to save, preserve and expand rainforest. So saving rainforests is helping orangutans as well as so many other types of wildlife and the people that live in and around these areas. I also asked Leaf about the Jungle School to rehabilitate orangutans. Jungle School is a really interesting aspect and um, the, the first, and I call it four pillars. You know, first of all, there's the um, you, you, rescuing orangutan could have human diseases, it has injuries from when its mother's been killed. So you have to provide that, that physical help to get them to a, a certain standard of health. And what's often missed is is mental health. Their little minds are broken, seeing their mother slaughtered, being abused. You know, they spend the first eight years suckling off their mother. And they have the most closest nurturing relationship of any species, the animal kingdom, even better than humans. And so when they're taken away from the mother at such an early age, their little minds are broken and they need love and security in order to repair that mind. Without physical and mental repair, they don't have the, the fundamental building blocks in order to be rehabilitated. The second, third one is, is social skills connecting with other orangutans so they learn to socialise properly and connect and become part of society. And the last building block is the forest skills. Orangutans, like all intelligent animals, primarily adapt to the environment through culture rather than natural selection. Humans are the same. Our predominant way we adapt is through culture. And so when you take the baby away from the mother, you, you don't have that childhood period where the mother is programming the culture into the vacant brain of the young orangutan. And so the, the wonderful Indonesian technicians and carers have to be part of that and be the replacement mother and help program their little minds about what food to eat, how to climb. That's something you don't really think about when it comes to rehabilitating animals. Because orangutans are so smart, their minds are just as important as their bodies when it comes to surviving in the wild. What are some actions that the average person can take to help orangutans? The best way is to become a supporter. And so if you're not a wealthy person, like most of us are, become a regular giver. And, you know, and having a sustainable income to keep the wildlife protection units and ranges um, in the forest and keeping the rescue centres open to accept orangutans is one of the most important um, ways we can contribute. And, of course, if we, if um, somebody is wealthy, like donations can go a hell of a long way in the Indonesian rainforest, a very cost-effective way to affect meaningful change, even for such lofty things as um, climate change. Of course, many people may be money poor but time rich, and we have wonderful volunteers who do stalls and, and fundraisers and quiz nights that raise money and awareness. And 
all together, um, we can make a significant difference, not only to the orangutans, but for the entire planet. As we've heard from Leaf, there are multiple ways to help orangutans, and they could use as much help as they could get. I believe that we can stop their populations from declining and help them recover. I want to thank Leaf for coming on the podcast because he showed me how amazing orangutans really are and how eerily similar they are to us. If you want to help orangutans and their habitats, you should check out the Orangutan Project, Orangutan Foundation, and Save the Orangutan. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me as we explore the world of orangutans. You can find the sources that we used for this podcast and links to organizations that we reference at onwildlife.org. You can also email us with any questions at onwildlife.podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at on underscore wildlife or on TikTok at onwildlife. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another awesome episode. And that's On Wildlife. listening to On Wildlife with Alex Ray. On Wildlife provides general educational information on various topics as a public service, which should not be construed as professional, financial, real estate, tax, or legal advice. These are our personal opinions only. Please refer to our full disclaimer policy on our website for full details. (laughs) 